So uh, whenever I asked the Holy Spirit what exactly he wanted to do this morning, he took me to Isaiah 45, which is um, not anything that I had any knowledge about. <laughs> That's not what's going on in my life. It's not um, anything I'm comfortable with. It's just what I feel like he said was for this morning. So this is what we're doing. Uh, this is what the Holy Spirit is doing. I'm going to be brief because I want to do some more ministry at the end and hopefully bless the socks off you guys. Um, so if you guys have Isaiah 45, a Bible, can you turn there for me? And we're not going to read the whole thing right now because it's, it's pretty long. Um, but it's, it's really amazing. Yeah, and Holy Spirit, as they're turning to their Bibles, we just, I just re-up with you. And I just say, this is all yours, whatever you want to do. Um, whatever you want to do will be done right now, Holy Spirit. Okay, you guys ready? All right. You excited? Yeah, can we turn out the lights a little bit? Is that better? Okay. Gotcha. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, um. All right. So in uh, in Isaiah 45, it's talking about Cyrus. And um, God is anointing Cyrus to be king. And what God says to Cyrus all these promises and all these declarations that he's going to do with Cyrus and through Cyrus and, and for Cyrus, and they're absolutely ridiculous. They're um, basically like cheating in life. Like God is going to do everything for him, and he's not going to have to lift a finger, basically. Um, and so I was kind of like, God, like, you know, why, why Cyrus? And, and even says a couple of times in the, in the chapter, even though you didn't know me. So Cyrus didn't even know God. He didn't have a relationship with God um, he wasn't the holiest person, I'm assuming. <laughs> he probably didn't read his Bible the most because he probably didn't have a Bible. He didn't know God at all. And so I went through Isaiah 45, and I'm just going to read you off the promises. And some of the things, these are just some of them. Some of the things that God is going to do for Cyrus and through Cyrus. He says, I will subdue nations. I will equip you. I will loose the belts of kings. I will open doors. I will open gates that may not be closed. I will level exalted places. I will break down doors of bronze. I will cut through bars of iron. I will give you treasures of darkness and the hordes in secret places. Wealth and merchandise will come to you. Men of greater stature will serve you in your cause because they will say, Surely God is in you and there is no other God besides him. I will stir you up in righteousness. I will make your path level. I will build my city and I will set my exiles free. So if God did uh, that through Cyrus, I mean, if God did that through us, that would be a pretty amazing deal, right? That's probably like what you would call advancing the kingdom of God, is all of those things lined up together. And so I'll ask the Holy Spirit, what is the prerequisite? Why Cyrus? Um, how can I get those? How can I, you know, how can we as a body get those? How can you as, a, as an individual receive those promises that Cyrus got from God? And the only thing that I found in Isaiah is that he was anointed for that purpose. God says, who, he's talking about Cyrus. He said, whose right hand I have grasped to do these things. He says, I stirred him up and I called him by name. And so the Holy Spirit began to talk to me about anointings. And a lot of times we think of anointing as like when the Holy Spirit comes on you and miracles happen. But really an anointing on your life is just something that you have the backing of heaven to do. Right? So if I have an anointing to heal, I have the backing of heaven to heal the sick. Right? You know, does that mean? Does that make sense? If I have the anointing to, or not me, but you know, if anybody has the anointing to um, 
preach the gospel or become a really good communicator, they have the backing of heaven to do so. And this is what I feel like the Holy Spirit was saying about those promises, is whenever people step into their promise, into their destiny, the thing that I created them to do before the foundations of the world, then these things will start to happen and start to pop up in their lives. And, I can, I can, and it's crazy because I can see these things exactly happening today in, the, in our world today with some of my heroes and even people that, that we know personally. And I believe that you could even find things in your life whenever you've stepped into an anointing and some of these things have happened. Probably not to this scale because none of us are like probably at our, our greatest destiny at this current time, maybe. Um, and and you probably have, will be able to see those things happen. And so the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about anointing. And, and a lot of people will call it destiny. Um, but I just, I, biblically, I'm using the word anointing because that's the word that God used. He didn't say destiny. He said anointing. And so begin to think about what you're anointed for. And not like big picture, like it's fun to get the prophetic words that you're anointed to go to Africa and save millions. You know, those are awesome. Um, but none of us are there, probably, uh, unless somebody is really running from God. <laughs> and we all have, an, I believe that God has big anointings for our life, like a main anointing, like that we are going to, is going to be our le- a legend. And then we have anointings like for every day that like, what, do you, what are you trusting me with today, God? What can I do that has your backing? And I believe he was saying that far too many people have lived and died without ever getting into their true anointing, even if they had goodwill and desire to follow Jesus. I believe that people in ministry, and this kind of, you know, this hurts to say, and I don't want to, I don't want to, I'm not talking about anybody or, that I know or anything like that, but I believe God was telling me that people in ministry, have, they have a good heart to love Jesus and a good heart to serve him, but but it's kind of this thing is if you love Jesus the most, more than everybody else, then you go into ministry. And if not, you, you, you do secular stuff, right? And that's kind of the like society of Christianity, especially in America. I'll say that because I don't know about other countries necessarily. And so I believe that there are many people in ministry in the past and today that have a great heart to love Jesus and to follow him. And they are fallen in love with him. But ministry, professional ministry may not have been their anointing and they may not have the backing of heaven to do so. Even though there are promises that like they're going to get some success, but, but a lot of people in ministry aren't getting that kind of success, right? We can kind of think about that and see that. And obviously I'm not talking about anybody that you know or I'm not single anybody out. Um, and, and there is timing issues. There is like seasons for certain things, um, and that's just, an, that's just a timing issue. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to understand that. I I'll never will try to understand timing or <laughs> that kind of stuff. But I believe that if we step into our calling, whenever we step in to the anointing that God has for us, whether or not we know him, whether or not we know that's our anointing, then these things have to follow like a biblical principle like sowing and reaping. And I, You can think about like even, even uh, people that don't know God, they will sow what they reap. The Bible says that. You know, if, if you reap this, you will, or if you sow this, you will reap this. And I think this is the same kind of biblical principle like that, that applies to everybody, that if people, even if they don't know God, if people find their calling, what they were created to do for the kingdom of God, whether or not they're actually doing it for God, I believe they will have these kind of results. And that's what the Holy Spirit is telling me. And I, I can think of like singers that I, that I think, I know for a fact they were put on this earth to sing. God gave them a gift for singing. And they have an anointing to sing, but they're not using it for the kingdom of God. Can you guys like, anybody like popping in like pentatonics for me, like... They have an anointing to sing. You know what I mean? I believe, at least. I mean, Mary, did you know? You know what I mean? Can you guys, like, are you tracking with me? Can you think of somebody like, I think that's a secular person that found their anointing, what God put them on the earth to do, but they don't even know God, and they're not doing it for God. Everybody, like, think of somebody? Okay. I just want to connect that in our brains. So he didn't even know God. He wasn't the holiest. He just said yes to his calling and his anointing. 
and I think that us as people that do know God, how much more right do we have to the kingdom of God than people like that, than, than people that don't even know God? Because they're not listening to the Holy Spirit. You know, it says that God grasped him by his right hand and led him to be a king, led him to do all of these things, to subdue nations. What has he grasped your hand to do in this season of life? You know, and I think we all have a pretty good idea of like, what is your dream? Like, what is your absolute dream? Like, we all have a pretty good idea. Like, I want to do this eventually. But like, what does he grasp your hand and leading you to right now in this season of life? Because you may be, here's a, 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 something that the Holy Spirit gave me an example. You may be trying to discipline your kids really well. And I'm not a parent, so forgive me if I don't know what I'm talking about, because I don't. But this is the Holy Spirit. He said, Imagine you're trying to be a really good parent. You're just trying to be a really good parent all the way around. You're just trying to make your kids as, as the best that they can possibly be. But maybe your anointing for that season of their life and for, and for your life is to actually just teach them biblical principles. Or maybe it's a discipline. Or maybe it's education. Or maybe it's something else that he really wants you to zone in on that will bear fruit for the rest of their entire lives. And maybe, like, you're doing a lot of other stuff, hardworking, that's not really landing. Does that make sense? And so I think a lot of, like I was saying, ministers and well-meaning people that love Jesus do a lot of really well-meaning things that they don't actually have the backing, the full backing of heaven to do, and so they're not getting these kind of results. So like, think about somebody that is trying to end hunger in Oklahoma, like the, um, the Feed the Children, an amazing thing. And I believe they do have an anointing. I'm not at all saying they don't. I believe they do have an anointing. Think about if somebody just out of goodwill says, oh, what am I going to do with my life? I don't know. How about I'm going to help people that are hungry not be hungry? And they have to fight these demonic principalities. They have to try to raise this money. They have to work really hard to do all these things. And then somebody comes alongside them that says, oh, I, I got a grasp of their hand and says, I want you to end hunger in Oklahoma. And they step in. They step in line with that anointing. And then finances and merchandise and wealth come to them. Demonic gods have to be leveled. Bars of, of, or doors of bronze will be busted open. Does that make sense? That's the kind of like dramatic, like it's not even about what they're doing. It's about them stepping in line with what they're created to do. And when we do that, God has absolute authority through us, through our obedience to do these things, which is advancing the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? So imagine, like, um, Reese isn't here, but this, this was my example. I, I forgot he was going to be in Texas. Reese wants to go into government, right? And I believe he has an anointing to go into government. And I was thinking, the Holy Spirit said this, and whenever he said it, it was like, man, that seems, like, wrong or weird. He said, Reese could see more people saved in government than he, if, he, if he stopped everything right now and he just traveled the world and preached the gospel. And I'm assuming that his, 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 his anointing is in government and not in that. I don't know that for a fact. That's, that's the assumption here, so... Right. Amen. If you're in your place of God, you're going to be more effective than anywhere else you could be. That's what she said, and that's so true. Like, if Reese went into government, and he has an anointing and the backing of heaven to go into government and to change government, demonic gods in the government realm have to be leveled. Then somebody who's just a Christian that wants to be a politician and just out of good fortune and goodwill wants to go and change things. He's going to have to fight those demons. He's going to have to bust down those doors. He's going to work tirelessly to bang on the doors and to pray the demonic gods down and to do all these different things to try to get where he's going. But Reese steps in because he has an anointing and a backing of heaven, and he just makes a step into government because that's his calling and that's his anointing. That's where God is taking his, with him as, as he grasped his hand, and demonic gods have to be leveled. How cool is that? And wealth and finances will come to him. And, and, and the gates, 
strongholds of the enemy have to be broken in, will be broken in. God promises that. Wealth and finances will come. You won't have to worry about it. How many times in the Bible does it say you don't have to worry about money? How many people struggle to try to raise money for their ministry or their whatever? You know, their nonprofit. Like, how many nonprofits do we know that are, are, are hanging on a thread? You know what I mean? I'm not, that's not a bad thing. I, like, there's timing issues again. But I believe that if somebody has an anointing and a calling to do something, wealth and finances will come. That's what the Bible says. That's what he's saying here in Isaiah 45. And I just want you guys to begin to think about what am I anointed to do? Not what I want to do. Not, not what is my, my dream to do. Not what looks the most glorious or the most glamorous. What is God grabbing my hand and leading me towards? What is the inner, innermost part of my heart? Where is the Holy Spirit leading me? In verse 9 of Isaiah 45, it says, Woe to him who strives with him who formed him. It's a lot of hymns. Woe to him who strives with him who formed him. A pot among earthen pots. Does the clay say to him who forms him, what are you making? So this is God saying, there have been many people that have wanted to do something because it looks cool, or maybe their hero did it, or maybe for whatever reason they didn't say yes to the calling of God on their lives, and, and they never got these results. And so they never really got Jesus the inheritance that they were assigned to bring him. Because all of us, if we go into our destiny and we, we live out our anointing, Jesus will have a full inheritance, right, from our lives. But if we just do something out of goodwill that we want to do, Jesus won't get his full inheritance because he, he doesn't have the authority to because we didn't follow his will. Does that make sense? And I believe he has limited himself to our obedience, and that's found throughout the Bible, and that's kind of another story. But whenever we obey him, even not his voice, but even just the calling on our lives, because we all have this thing in our hearts that we long to and we desire for, but a lot of times we say no because it doesn't make financial sense or because it's scary or because it's dangerous or because it's inconvenient. And a lot of people have died and, and never lived that. And I'm going to quote Braveheart, best movie of all time. There have been many men, or every man dies, but not every man really lives. And I and I believe that William Wallace in that moment was talking about the anointing for their lives. And William Wallace was anointed to lead, if you don't know what I'm talking about, watch Braveheart, but he was anointed to lead Scotland into freedom. And he did it. Think about the American Revolution. George Washington, he's, he's one of my top spiritual heroes at the very top. He, I can't wait to talk to him. I don't know if you guys know this about George Washington, but he was friends with the Holy Ghost. He was friends with the Holy Ghost. He had a prayer journal. I mean, he was, he was on fire for God. He used to, the, two horses got shot underneath him in one battle, and he would have holes in his jackets because bullets would go that close to him, but obviously he never died. He went into battle after battle after battle, holes in his jackets, holes all around him, horses being shot out from underneath him, but he never was hurt. <laughs> Because demonic principalities had no legal right to touch him because he was living out his destiny. Now, if you talk to a statistician or to like a war um, historian, there's no possible way that the American Revolution should have gone the way that it, sh it did, right? I, I mean, statistically speaking, and war, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but war speaking, there's a strategy, whatever, there's no possible way that a bunch of farmers with broken guns and pitchforks and, and whatever they could muster up, could actually defeat an army, the big, I mean, the big army, England, with the biggest navy and all of these things, right? There's no possible way. So how did that happen? 
and I believe people will chalk it up to, to passion or, or whatever, but if you look at it, it's, it's the anointing of God on George Washington's life to lead a country to religious freedom and, and, and to start America. And if you don't see God in that, where do you see God? He literally won a war for somebody and demonic gods that would try to keep people, us, I mean, literally this is affecting us today, he, demonic gods that try to keep us in religious confinement. Religious demons try to keep us in, a fi- in confinement today. And because of the anointing on George Washington's life that he actually lived out, and he didn't say no, even though he should have died, and he was probably scared to die. But he said yes anyway. And so now an entire country for generations will have the ability to worship whomever they want. And, of, and, and it was built on the foundation of, of Father, Spirit, and Son. An entire country that was built on, on Jesus and, and the Father and the Holy Spirit. If that's not God, like, where is he? You know what I mean? Like, think about that. Not from a historical standpoint. You've heard that it was all these different reasons why we won, but, like, the anointing on George Washington's life, I believe, is a huge part of why they won the American Revolution. And, and think about this. Subdue nations. Loose the belts of kings. That's exactly what happened. I mean... That's exactly what happens. Subdue nations, loose the belts of kings, equips you, opens doors, gates that may not be closed, level exalted places, break down doors of bronze, cut through bars of iron. I will give you treasures of darkness and hordes in secret places. That means you're going to go into the darkness. If you're anointed, you're going to go into the darkness and the treasure and the people and the things and the places and the purposes that the enemy has stolen that are currently in the darkness, you'll be able and have every legal right and the backing of heaven to take back into the light and of Jesus Christ. That's a advancing the kingdom if I've ever heard of it, right? That is advancing the kingdom, is to go into the darkness, go get the hordes in the secret places, go find the treasure that the enemy has stolen in the darkness, and bring it into the light of Jesus Christ. Because if you walk into your anointing, there's no legal right for that darkness to be there. And so they have to give up their treasure, they have to give up everything they've stolen, they have to give up people, purposes, places, and things. And that's advancing the kingdom. And that is what happens when I, I, I truly believe that's what happens when we step into our anointing that God has in our life. If it's not the one you want to do, whether or not it's the one you want to do, whether or not you're scared, whether or not you don't know for sure, that's what happens. Even if you have no idea who God is, that's what happens. All right. I already said the Braveheart quote, so. I want us to look really intentionally and seek and ask for God's best in our life. And part of me is like, man, these people are going after God. Like, I'm going after God. Like, I, I'm, we're not going to miss it, right? You know, we're, like, we're not going to miss our destiny, our calling. But God, he just kind of like, he, he gently humbled me and gently kind of like just said, just kind of corrected me like, just because we're going after God, and, and this is not an attack on anybody. Like, I consider myself and my wife will tell you, I'm a very driven person about my destiny. Like, I am selfish about my destiny. Like, no one's going to make me miss it. I'm not going to miss it, you know, um, even to a fault, <laughs> even to a place of insecurity, honestly. That's something I'm, I'm working on. Um, and even I sometimes get so caught up in life that I, that I am driven by finances. I'm driven by um, things. I'm driven by emotions. I mean, and I'm certainly not the golden standard, but I want to think, like, think back, like, have you constantly been pursuing God's anointing on your life? And he said yes every time he asked, every time he tried to correct your path, or every time he said, let's go here, or let's go here, or let's go here. Because sometimes we're not listening. I just feel like in, in our normal life, as time goes on, as we do our work, as we make money, as we, we, we live with family, sometimes we, 
we aren't listening as intently as we should be. And so I don't want us to think we're so safe from missing our anointing that we, we don't talk about it, that we don't, we don't preach about it or, or that I don't mention it. Like I wasn't going to mention it because like these people, they're not going to miss their anointing. They're going after God. But I feel like he said, listen, he, he's like, you know, I've missed it. I have, I, I have not been asking. I, I have been so blinded by trying to make enough money to survive. That, and how unbiblical is that, right? And I just think there's times in our life when that happens. And that's not, a, not something that, you know, I'm rebuking you before God is rebuking anyone for. But it's worth, it's worth remembering like, man, there's an anointing on my life, and I can get those kind of results. What in the world do I have to do to get there? Like ASAP, you know, what do I have to do? And it's a process, and there's timing, and you're not going to step into that tomorrow, most likely. I hope you do, but you're probably not. But imagine being in your place of work, and someone of greater stature than you, maybe financial, maybe socially, maybe physically, someone of greater stature than you comes behind you and serves you, and says, surely God is in you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support your cause because God is in you, and there's no other God besides him. If you're teaching your class, or if you're, whatever you're doing, if someone said, surely God is in you, and there's no other God besides him. I mean, that is revival, in my, and that is the kingdom. You know, that's what we should shoot for, and that's what I'm, I want to challenge you guys to, to shoot for, to be, you know, with me, shoot for. I'm, I'm, not at all anywhere close, but it's about being willing and able to say yes. And, and God, Holy Spirit really wanted me to, you know, poke these two places. One is being willing to say yes. Like, it's scary. It could be painful. I have to leave what I love. It's uncomfortable. Um, it, I, will, I can almost promise you it's going to be one or two of those things whenever you step into your anointing. I, I mean, it's hardly ever going to be comfortable in the natural next step. Like, it's going to be a jump. And the second is being able to hear the voice of God. And that is practicing and putting into practice the ability to, 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 to hear the voice of the Lord. Because if we just think that one day we're gonna, God is going to come into our bedroom and just plainly clear out our destiny and lead us right into the way and give us step-by-step plan, that's not how it works. We have to, we have to, it's a step-by-step plan every day. It's step-by-step. God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? And this is what I want us to deploy into our practical lives today is how can I practice hearing the voice of the Lord and seeking his best for my life? And I'm going to give you some examples of people that have done this and been successful that you probably know. Um, does anybody know a guy named Lonnie Frisbee? He, he's one of my favorites. Lonnie Frisbee was a part of the vineyard movement. He, he was a hippie, absolute hippie in the 70s, 60s and 70s. Uh, like drug abuser, homosexual, um, extremely worldly. And... Um, he, he met Jesus, fell in love with Jesus, and began to preach the gospel, and he stepped into the anointing on his life, even though his personal life wasn't um, spick and span. And this is something that I, I, I hear a lot is, I'm not ready to go into, to, like God says, take this next step with me. God, I'm not ready. I need to work on myself first. Even I do that. It's like, God, like I need to straighten some things out of my life. Like I just kind of disrespected my wife, or I just kind of like, you know, like did something selfish, or I forget all the time, or whatever is you know your your struggles or whatever. It's like I'm not ready to step into that yet. I'm just gonna I'm gonna try to really hard work on myself, or or you know receive the free gift of grace, and then I'm gonna step right into that. I promise God. But he he doesn't work that way. If he invites you to step step, and Lonnie Frisbee stepped, even though his personal life was ugh, messy, really messy. This man preached the gospel. He was a huge part of the Vineyard Movement's success and a huge part of the, of the Jesus people's renown and, and actually 
power evangelism. Have you heard like Todd White say that word, those words, power evangelism? That came from his ministry, is going onto the streets or going to the beach, in his case, and just saying, Holy Spirit, come. You know, what do you feel? That's power evangelism. That came from his ministry. He has really changed your life, whether or not you know it. The charismatic movement, I mean, he, he's really influenced it. This is a man that said yes to God no matter what. He looked like a wacko. A lot of people thought he was on drugs while he was still in ministry. Like, he was just a weirdo. He was a total weirdo, socially. And he struggled with homosexuality throughout his entire ministry career. And he, he never got over it. And he died of AIDS. And I know that's a really sad story. He died of AIDS. And he never got clean. And that's obviously not the goal. But I just want to stress to you that whatever God is saying in your life, just say yes. Don't worry about where you are. Don't worry about your sin. Don't worry about your thoughts. Don't worry about any of that. Just say yes to whatever God is doing in your life. A more happy, uh, more happy thing is Leif Hetland. You guys know Leif Hetland, right? This is a man that um, pastored a church of 200, 250 people, 300, something like that, a smaller church in Norway for like 20 or 30 years. So he was a pastor as a career, and he'd been doing so for a long, long time. He had seen minimal results because he had a church of 200, 300 people. Um, there wasn't like a revival going on. It was just kind of like the same 200 people every, just kind of church. It was just church. He gets touched at Toronto, and uh, sometime later, he goes to Pakistan, I believe it was, or it was Muslim country somewhere. And he, as soon as he gets off the plane, he says in his books, as soon as he gets off the plane, this is the land of my anointing. And he felt it in his spirit. And it was like, God, I can see God doing this. He, grabbed your, he grabs your hand, and he leads you. And it's like, this is the land of my anointing. This was what I was created to do. But 30 years had gone by when he was just pastoring a church in Norway. But one year after he stepped off that plane, over one million Muslims have given their life to Jesus. Over one million Muslims have given their life to Jesus. He had, he had been pastoring a church of 200 for years, decades. And then one year after he gets off the plane, in Muslim country, one million souls had been saved. One million Muslims that aren't going to burn in hell, but are going to be in heaven with Jesus. Like, think about how uncomfortable that probably was. He probably had finances. He didn't need to do that. He, he was probably comfortable pastoring his church. It was the burning of the Holy Spirit and God grabbing his hand, taking him to Pakistan that said, I'm sure that wasn't comfortable. I'm sure he didn't even, his flesh wanted to reject that at first. But over one million Muslims have been saved. And now he's like a, a, a regional leader. He's known as the, um, the uh, apostle of love or um, delegate of love or something like that. He's known like regionally. And if this doesn't, if this story doesn't like, it's it so matches what's in the Bible. These promises of God, subdue nations, loose the belts of kings, gates that may not be closed. How many do you think that there are some demonic gods in Muslim country that wanted to keep him out? Probably a lot. Probably every single one in the, re, in, in the entire area wanted to keep this man out because he had anointing and a calling and they knew it, whether or not he knew it but they had no right to mess with him. They, I mean, I'm sure there was a struggle at some time. I'm sure it wasn't like just easy, but Leif Hetland wasn't the one fighting. He had the entirety of heaven backing him so that demonic gods had to bow to the name of Jesus because he had an anointing and a calling to be there. Man, I love these examples. They're so fun. This is a good one. Mike and Dina Van Hull. You guys know them? They will, I'll get to see them in a couple of days. Me and Jonathan and Drew and Caitlin Well and Sharon and Bob. Mike and Dina Van Hull, Van Hull are, they were, um, he was the vice president of a bank. Very wealthy. Very like just suburbia lifestyle. They have 
three high schoolers or four high schoolers, and um, they got touched by the Holy Spirit, and they felt, I think it was Dina said, I feel like we're supposed to go to China. And these are people that have anything they want, basically. I mean, within reason. Like, they have no, like, they're, they're as comfortable as comfortable could get. Just absolutely comfortable. Nine to five job, but they can do whatever they want. They can take vacations three times a year, go anywhere they want on vacation. And they, and, and the Lord grabbed their hand and led them to China. And now they live in China. They moved with their high schoolers. Think about all the reasons they shouldn't have done that. Like you have high schoolers that are about to graduate and you're about to move to China. That's not smart. Like I bet their pastors, I mean, you know, I'm not like, I bet there was probably people that were thinking like, that's a really irresponsible thing to do. Like you're just, you're, you're having a midlife crisis. You need to just stay steady. But there are hundreds of, and this is what they do. This is what they pour their life out for. There are babies um, with deformities and with um, mental disabilities and physical disabilities. This is what they do. They pour their life out to take care of, to care for these Chinese babies that literally people throw away in the trash. If they have a deformity or a disability, they literally are counted as nothing. They're not a human life. They're not anything. And these people literally have found babies in the trash, and they pour their life out loving for them. And they pray for them, but that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is that they, f- they are loved, that those babies are loved, even if they only have, like, a month to live. Like, imagine pouring your life out for something like that. That's m- maybe the heaviest anointing I've ever, ever even heard of. Like, imagine, pour- seriously, like, put yourself in the place. Like, I have all the money in the world. I have to go to a country that is uncomfortable where I don't know the language. I've had no training, no, no travel, anything to this country. I have to pour my life out to love babies that have deformities, that can't love back, that can't speak, that can't do anything in return for me. But they followed the anointing that was on their life. And uh, I think it's been a, uh, maybe two or three years now. They have hundreds of little babies that, that are they're rehabilitating, some of them that are actually like going to eventually fit into society, some that aren't, and they still love those babies just as much. But they have the Chinese government, the Chinese government. If you're a, an American missionary going to China, you're not very welcome, and you're not going to get to stay for very long unless you find loopholes. And these Americans, wealthy Americans, like the epitome of what the Chinese government wants to keep out of China— they now have the full support and financial backing of the Chinese government. The Chinese government has given them land and buildings to love these babies. <laughs> Level exalted places, break down doors of bronze. I will give you treasures in the darkness and hordes in the secret places. I will loose the belts of kings and subdue nations. This is exactly Isaiah 45. They followed the anointing even though they didn't want to and it wasn't comfortable and and the Bible happened in their life, and now there's a, a revolution in China where they have, I'm pretty sure they have a school or they have interns that they come and they teach how to love these babies, and they just have poured their life out for this. And this is never going to be something that they are, like, I mean, they do get to, I think Dina is speaking at VOA this year, and that could be glorious or whatever, but, like, this isn't going to be something that, like, they're ever, like, worldly, like, oh, you're amazing, like, preach again. Like, they just love these kids. If, you, if you've seen her, there's so much life in her eyes. Like, there is the fire of the Holy Spirit burning in her. You can just feel it, that she's stepped into her anointing, and heaven has backed her up like it promised that it would. And demonic strongholds have had to bow to the ministry, to the anointing of these people going to a nation. And think about that. It's one couple. It's one family. And they're changing China. You know, they're changing 
an entire region of China, and I, I assume that it will keep spreading until all of China is changed. And even the government policies about American missionaries, think about the implications, think about what could happen if China start like, wow, these people like are doing incredible things. Revival is breaking out in this area of China, and like, let's let more of them in. I mean, <laughs> that's not just one region. That could be a, a, a national thing. It could be a worldwide thing. And, um, and, it, and again, it's fun to think about and dream about like these big, huge callings and stuff. Um, and I believe sometimes that is the case. And praise God, if, like, if that becomes you, I will be jealous and I will be happy for you and all these things. I want, you know, I would love for God to just say, all right, do it. You know, and I'm like, uh, you know, I'm going to do it. But realistically, practically, today, tomorrow, God, what is the anointing you have in my life? Who do I have the full backing of heaven to love? What purpose, what place, what people do I have the full backing of heaven to go and to love those people and to pour my life out for those people? That's the question I want to ask today. Do we have time? Yes, we have time. Yes. You guys are okay with staying like a little bit late? <laughs> I believe this morning we do have permission to ask for big picture. I believe the Holy Spirit said that. But I don't want to, I, I want to, I want to take all the glory and the glamour out of it. And I want to say, like, I think we're going to invite the kids in, if that's all right with you guys, because I, want, I, want, I just want it to be a family. This is like a group equipping thing. Um, we're going to invite the kids in, and, and Ashley's going to come in. Um, I do feel like the Holy Spirit said we have permission to ask for big picture. But I want you to, what I want you to, to, to take a hold of is I want you to have something in your hand after you leave this building that, okay, tomorrow I have this, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, whatever it is. I don't know if it's, maybe it's one person, God. But, but whenever you do it, whenever you go and you be faithful with this anointing, it, it gives God the ability and the permission to give you a bigger anointing. It's, it's stewardship. You, we all know about stewardship. Whenever I say, God, who do you want me to love right now? Who do I have the full backing of heaven to love? Okay, it's this person. Like, I'm going to go and be faithful with that until God says otherwise. And I'm going to, every once in a while, just come back and say, God, where is my anointing? Where are you leading me? Grab my hand. Take me somewhere else. Where do you want me to go? And it's just being faithful with whatever the anointing on our life is. Maybe sometimes it's rest, you know. Bummer if it is. I don't know. <laughs> you know, but it's like maybe sometimes it's rest and God is going to lead you in that anointing. And if you be faithful with that, I promise that you will get something spectacular after that. If we be faithful with the anointing that God has called us to. So I kind of want to rebrand this word anointing. Anointing is whatever that, whatever... God has destined, I mean, <laughs> it's whatever he called you to do before the foundation of the world. It's what you were created to do. And there's probably one bigger thing in your life, but there's many small things. There are many small anointings in your life that, like the drums, for me, like I, I never played drums until we needed a drummer. And so I just, but I, I, it's like I received this commission from God, you're going to be the drummer. So I was like, okay, God, so I, went, I, I practiced drums and I learned how to play drums. And so today I'm playing drums and I really enjoy it. And it wasn't what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be a drummer. I actually wanted to kind of like take a step back from the worship team because I, was, I, I played bass every Sunday. I don't know if you guys remember that. I used to play bass every Sunday. I wanted to kind of take a step back, and I wanted to be out here worshiping with you guys a little bit more. But I love being up there and, and creating the env environment of worship. And, and, I, and I just think that that was, that, was the, that was an anointing for my life. A small one? Yeah, absolutely. Very small. But... But has it, I mean, I, I, people have said it means a lot to me. Like, your drumming means a lot to me. It's like, I, I'm not a good drummer. I, I've never, I am not a professional or uh, proficient drummer at all. 
I'm really not. And I know you guys are saying, oh, you're a great drummer. I promise I'm not a, I'm not a very technically good drummer. But the anointing comes on me, and it, it helps lead people in worship. It really does. I believe that. I'm not being prideful. It's the anointing. <laughs> it's not me. It's the anointing of God on my life to do that. And it's a small one, but I've been faithful with it. I really believe I've been faithful with it. And I'm, and I'm, I'm thinking, like, how, what's next? Like, what else can I be faithful with, God? You know, what small thing in your life is God calling you to be faithful with? And I know I've kind of railed up for a little bit now, but... um. We're going to do some, some prophetic ministry, and I believe that we have permission to ask for big things. But like I said, I want you to take away something in your hand, something you can grab onto and say, this is what I'm going to go be faithful with this week or next week or whenever I get back from VOA or whatever it is. I'm going to be faithful with this. This is my anointing right now that Holy Spirit is saying. So we're going to have um, people that went through the Sean Bolts training. Or if you, if you went through that training and you want to come up here, we're just going to see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. We're just going to prophesy. We're going to ask the spirit of prophecy like it talks biblically about to come and to, to give us something we can be anointed for. Uh, give us something that we are anointed for that we can go and do. Is that okay with you guys? If you need to go, it's 12.15. That's when I was supposed to be done. Um, please go. I don't want to, no one's going to look down on you. Um, I apologize for going longer. I really tried not to, but um, I have to follow the Holy Spirit and I believe that he has led us to do this. So uh, if you went through that training and you want to prophesy, please come up right now.